You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. We have lots to discuss. A pretty big and... Uh, Interesting trade made yesterday between Columbus, L.A., and Philadelphia. Uh, game three of the Stanley Cup finals coming up tomorrow, right, Russ? It's tomorrow in Miami and tomorrow and Saturday in Miami. So yeah. and a few-day layover, and Russ, I'm sure, will regale us with his uh, travel. Uh, oh, nah, never mind. We'll start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. I want to say um, rest in peace, the Iron Sheik. Yes. Um, Really great wrestler, stayed true to himself because he was an Iranian American. Uh, he really he wasn't like a guy from Jersey pretending to be what he was, you know. And and that's 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 great. But he really did hate Hulk Hogan to the point where Hulk Hogan was the first guy that ever got out of the camel clutch. Now the thing about it in wrestling is when you're like a big time heavyweight champ and you have that move and you've decided to let somebody beat you, you're hoping that after that. There's going to be a rematch and all kinds of stuff, and there wasn't. And so because of that, the Iron Sheik has always held a grudge. So even up until his death on Twitter, he would occasionally just curse out Hulk Hogan. And this goes <laughs> back to 1984. Oh, yeah. And that well, was what, one of the most likable things about the Sheik was on Twitter. Well, the funny thing is I was just listening to Jeff Merrick, who did a wrestling show for many years in, in yeah. Toronto, and he had a guy named Dave Meltzer, who was a... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know who he is. Right. So they're telling the story of apparently um, the, the the match where... Because Backlund was the was the WWF champion. They needed a a, uh, a villain to be the right. sort of gap guy in between him and Hogan yep. winning. So they picked the Iron Sheik. Yep. So he wins the WWF title. And... Um, they set it up at Madison Square Garden before I think it was before WrestleMania. Yeah. And an Iron Sheik loses to Hulk Hogan. Well, apparently Vern Gagne, who was the commissioner of one of the rival wrestling AWA. Uh, the AWA, he offered the Iron Sheik seventy-five thousand dollars to break Hulk Hogan's leg. Wow. So that would have ruined yeah. that, that would have ruined the match, that would have ruined the whole setup. And, and I'll bet you anything. I guess that's why Hogan didn't want to do it. I'll bet you anything you asked till his dying day, he probably wished he had broken Hogan's leg. Yeah. Yeah. He missed out on a lot of money because of that. But it seems like the Sheik made enough money anyhow. And, and he was just, he was a fun guy. He was a villain that you actually liked. He was a bad guy that you liked. And there's he not that so many. Bad he was good. Yeah. 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 No, no. Uh, till my dying day, Kev. I will remember because, and I don't remember if they were they were tag team champions or not. But Jeff uh, clarified and said they were uh, when the Iron Sheik and uh, Ivan Koloff yeah. were were tag team champions in the early '80s, and the Iron Sheik carrying the Iranian uh, revolutionary flag, which you know with the Iranian yeah. crisis was just was like fire on gasoline. He'd come into the ring. And Volkov was carrying the Soviet hammer and sickle, 
and he grabbed them, grabbed the mic from the from the from the uh, announcer, and he'd go, "Iran number one, Russia number one. Yeah. Look at USA." And then he'd spit. He'd spit yeah. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? Now Ivan Koloff, who I did interview, is from Hamilton, New Jersey, about an hour north of me. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. This is. <laughs> This this brings me back to my like to my teenage years. It brings us all back. Like, it it <laughs> because, makes you sad because the guy entertained us all. Yeah, because all I did all I did was watch watch WWF wrestling Saturday nights at twelve yeah. o'clock on WOR. Yeah. I'd have my, I'd have my my bologna sandwich and my potato <laughs> chips and my bottle of coke, and I'd be sitting there watching the wrestling and you know all these guys and like all of them are dying now but there was just you know just that that was that was my youth sorry yeah <laughs> Mike's, uh, youth, Mike's youth was a bologna sandwich that's good <laughs> uh just just one thing and i don't want to talk a lot long about it because you know golf isn't that popular but yes. obviously the the live situation where yeah. they made not only made peace uh with the saudi arabia based uh a Maverick Golf League, but they've joined them. Um, and it was a surrender. Yeah, and it's really just absurd that all the you know principled reasons why they had for not joining them, and they were good ones, um, now suddenly aren't all that important in the name of uh, you know making some dollars. And I don't know whether the PGA uh, commissioner is going to survive all this because uh, the players are really really upset. So. You know, we're going to have to watch this play out. But, you know, all these golfers that were loyal to the PGA and so turned McElroy out. Especially, mil- right? Didn't he go out for Pardon a couple- me? Wasn't it McElroy? Well, for- McElroy. Roy McElroy, you know, could have made millions upon millions of dollars. Tiger Woods was offered. Tiger could have made a billion, Kev. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all that. And, uh, you know, and, you know, for the right reasons. I mean, they just didn't think it was appropriate. And there were other golfers as too. I mean, we're namely those two, but there were, you know, many that didn't go um, before that reason. And then all of a sudden those reasons that the PGA certainly stood behind now all of a sudden don't seem to matter. So uh, there's no, been no, no, nothing that compares to this in the history of sports because no. it's such a unique situation, but not yet. No, somebody somebody made the historical uh, comparative, and I think it's a good one. The the um, PGA surrendering to live and live winning this was basically like the USFL winning the lawsuit with the NFL. They they won, but they got a dollar. Right. And this yeah, is- I I don't think that because there was the the ethics of this. Oh, it's, yeah. it's really, you know, there are really no ethics in the USFL situation, but but, but um, Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and Kepka, who got hundreds of millions of dollars, they look to be the smart ones here because they, they what they were they were excoriated in the media for you know and and the, the, the attaching themselves to the Saudis and you know all the the, the you know the Saudi nine eleven stuff and everything that was out there. Well, but don't he, don't don't say it like that. I mean, well, but no, the nine eleven stuff. You know, right well, on, no, no, no. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that, of course. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that um, th- that was used as a pejorative against this live golf being uh, set up. That you know, the you know, how many of the nineteen terrorists were so? I mean, involved. I mean, okay. I, I mean, I, that that's a historical fact. But the whole thing is, this was all about 
the PGA's monopoly on golf and money. And it came down to that. And in the end, they settled because of money. Yeah, I just I want to answer Johnny Rudd in the chat room, then we'll start. <clears throat> he said our country does billions of dollars of business with them. So why should the PGA be different than our government? And I'll tell you what the difference is. We many people, a lot of people, if they had a chance to vote on that, whether we should do those billions of dollars of business with them would vote it down, but we didn't get a choice and neither did those players. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, uh, you know, the, I, I think Mike's right that they made a decision based on money, but a lot of the players made a decision based on the, Loyalty. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Of, of all this. And uh, so uh, that's why I think it's, it's wrong. Like, uh, you know, you, when you've got, and you, you ask for that loyalty too. Um, right. And uh, and when players gave it, and now you know, in fact, it's even come up in discussions. People have said that you know, and the, and the commissioner, I can't even think of his name. It's terrible. But uh, uh, Monahan, I think. Yeah. Well, anyway, he said, yeah. Well, maybe we have to look at compensating, you know, those players that didn't, uh, you know, take that Amen. money. So, anyway, it's uh, it's and it's such a surprising thing. Like no. The advisory board of the players advisory board was not consulted. Um, yeah, they just did it. They flipped the switch. That's it. Yeah, they did it. So anyway, let's move on for that golf. Okay. We're not a golf show. So no, no, we're not. So or uh, hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, June seventh, twenty twenty three. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen, and I'm Michael Lagello. I'm the CEO of Spirit Airlines. Right, Russ. This is the Hockey Buzzcast here on <laughs> HockeyBuzz.com. Okay, let's start with the trade. Uh, it broke around, I think, 1 o'clock yesterday and filtered out. It was a fairly complex deal. I'll just read it out here and then we'll discuss. Um, in the end, Columbus gets Ivan Provorov uh, filtered through the LA Kings uh, from the Flyers. So he his salary is... Um, uh, diminished by two million bucks, so he's a four point seven two million dollar cap hit. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings get cap relief by moving out Cal goalie Cal Peterson in his two year uh, deal, remaining with five million uh, per on that. They trade Sean Walker, uh, Hel prospect Helgi Grands. That all goes to Philadelphia. In the end, LA gets the cap relief. Uh, they get Kevin Connaughton and they get Hayden Hodgson. The Flyers, on top of Peterson, Walker, and Grands, get uh, LA's first from Columbus, 22nd overall. Uh, the LA Kings, 2024 second round pick and a conditional second round pick, either 2024 or 2025 from the Blue Jackets. So, fairly complex deal. Um, in the end, the, the big piece is Provorov going to a division rival, Russ. And yeah. that's where that's, I mean, we knew that they were interested in trading Provorov. We knew it was probably going to get done. I'm a little surprised they traded him inside the division. Uh, what were your thoughts on this deal? So thoughts are, for, there's a lot of Flyers fans upset with Provorov, whether it was the thing on the ice or his play. His play definitely dropped. But again, why did his play drop? Well, Maybe he wasn't a perfect fit with John Tortorella. Maybe they didn't really have a good partner for him since Ryan Ellis went down. And then we go back to the Matt Niskanen, who I really don't ever want to mention again. Uh, he will have a really good partner now in, in Zach Wierenski. And he'll get 50 points this year and be a very good defenseman. He's not perfect defensively, but he's a really good defenseman. And he logs big minutes and he's tremendously conditioned. From the Flyers' end, look, Kelly Grands 
is a decent defenseman. He was a, a he was a spare part though for the Kings because they're loaded with defense. So you know he's a four or a five. So that's fine. They could put him in there. Walker, you know, they'll use as a six or a seven, whatever. That's fine. Maybe they trade Nick Sealer for like a fifth round pick and use Walker, right? So that's that's fine. The crux of this deal, there's two things. There's two things with this deal. Yarmo Kekalainen is pretty smart, so he'll probably move that pick to 25, knowing that he'll be much a much better team in 25 and give the Flyers a lesser pick then as far as where they're picking in that round, you know? I'm sure he'll choose that. <coughs> he'll choose that. As far as the other thing with the Flyers got, uh, it was good as far as they got the picks, but it depends what these picks are. So if they do it right in this draft, then it could really help their rebuild. If they do it wrong in this draft, and again, they're using the same crew that they've had all along. This is the same scouting staff. So, and I've had some, you know, mixed reactions to drafts before with them. They have to hit a home run with these picks because if they don't, the rebuild will, will drag on like a lot of other teams' rebuilds drag on. So that's where the crux of this deal is. Like when people say hey, it's a great deal, I can't say that yet because I don't expect Cal Peterson to be anything but a backup. And if that means Carter Hart or Urson's the number one because Carter Hart gets traded, we'll wait and see on that. And then they didn't save any money. They've spent money. You know, they actually they went over a million on the cap on that. And that's fine. They're probably going to move somebody else and get under the cap. And, and that's fine, too. But, you know, in the end, it is good that they did it. Um I wouldn't have done it because I would have saved Provorov at least for another year to help my other young defensemen like Cam York develop. Because now you're looking at putting wrist, probably Ristolainen in with Cam York, and I'm not sure that's good for anybody. Kev, I looked at this deal, and I, I was saying this to Russ yesterday when we were talking about it, and Anthony as well. Um, it seems a year too late for the Flyers because if they were going to bottom out, and this is to me, this is you know signal of Daniel Briere wanting to rebuild, you know, that if they trade Carter Hart, then they're going pure, you know, like a young goaltender, a defense in transition, players on the injured list, young players coming forward. It's, you know, it looks like a full rebuild. You would think that they would want to do that with a super potential superstar like Connor Bedard at the top of the draft and guys like Fantilli and Carlson 2-3, whereas we don't know how good the 24 draft or 25 draft is. And it seems like they're coming late to this. Yeah, I mean, I, you can make that, but I, I don't think they felt the same way. Like, uh, you know, we talked a lot about last year. They were under the misconception they were going to contend for a playoff spot. So, right. you know, you know, they didn't really have any idea they were going to bottom out the way they did. So, I mean, I like this trade um, from both perspectives, with the exception I really don't understand the, the Peterson aspect of it. But, you know, they probably felt it's the only way to get another, you know, second-round pick. Right. Uh, out of the deal. So, you know, and getting a first and two seconds for Pro Roth, I mean, that fits into the, you know, what we've seen over the last several years and in, in, in moving out players and getting, you know, collecting draft picks. Uh, um, so I like that. I, I don't know from the, the Columbus perspective, I don't know. Do you think Russ will play them together? I mean, obviously they're both two left shot defensemen. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Pro Roth could play the other side if he wanted to. He's pretty. Yeah, but no, it doesn't mean they would. It doesn't mean they would. Yeah, I'm just, I, he's using that as an example, like they might, or even yeah. once he might play the other side because 
he's pretty damn talented too. Well, I mean, there are a lot of guys that can do it, but I really sense a movement, and I've seen now, you know, coaches talk about it where they just would prefer to have two lefts and two rights because sure. it's just easier to defend. I think, I think so. when the world is right, they do that. But like as an example, Cam York played on the right side all year last year, like three quarters of the year for the Flyers. Well, yeah, I mean. And he's young. The, the way coaches have described it to me is is this. You do it because you have to do it, and there are guys that are comfortable doing it. But he said there's always three or four plays a year when you look at that and think, you know, if he would have been a right-shot right, right shot defenseman, you know, we, it wouldn't have cost us that goal or that game. So in the perfect world, I know that's how Derek Lalone explained it. In a perfect world, you're going to want three left and three right, no matter how you slice it, uh, just because – you're just it's just easier to defend that way but um you know you don't always have a perfect world Adcock, and he is he has done the unusual too well we've told we were talking about this on the last on the last podcast about the fact that babcock and detroit had six left-hand left-hand defense yeah, yeah. You know, he's used to that yeah i did hear james patrick talking about it um and he's a junior coach now, but he he's talked about it. You know, he said he didn't think much about it when he was playing, but now that his time marched on and the, the way that people attack and the way we teach people to defend it, it he said it really does make a difference. Um, so I think, you know, it, it doesn't matter to be honest with you, because they're going to be thrilled to have, um, you know, yeah. pro Roth and, you know, certainly, um, <laughs> Uh, they'll get some time together at, yeah, at, at some point. But, you know, if you're trying to balance your defensive pairings, um, you know, you 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 probably will play them on different. Maybe they're uh, going to get somebody in free agency. You know, they lost Gabrikov, but maybe that's the answer. Well, right. Yeah. Here's the, interesting, here's the interesting thing in all three teams and the domino effect that comes from this deal. One, the uh, with L.A., they cleared all that money, and the speculation is that they cleared it to sign Gavrikov. So that's been out there. It hasn't happened yet, but they're in talks. They liked the way Gavrikov fit on their defense after he was acquired from Columbus. So that's that's one domino. The other domino here is right now uh, you've got Corpus Allo is a UFA, uh, and really right now Jonathan Quick was traded to Vegas. So right now you have the – and I, I'm drawing the blank on the goaltender who they had last year that got them through the season, Russ, uh, L.A. Copley. Um, Copley. Phoenix yeah, Copley. Copley, yeah. So they have Phoenix Copley under contract. So they're in the goaltender market. And the, and the goaltender market has changed because, you know, you've got a bunch of like Jari and Anderson and Ranta plus, you know, John Gibson has requested a trade and – uh, Hellebuck is might be out there, so there's there's really a, now the, there's there might actually be a glut of goaltenders, and LA could be looking. You know, and we'll talk about Carter Hart in a minute, but he's his name is now out there. So that's that's LA Columbus, according to Elliot Friedman, they're not done yet. They're you know obviously with with Babcock in there, uh, they're interested in in turning things around and competing for a playoff spot next year. Now they've added Provorov. You know, they're, you know, they have the number three pick in the draft, but they're also, you know, exploring other trade options. I don't know whether they're in the goalie market because that they lost confidence in Elvis Merzlikens. Talk about sure that they have, you know, the other thing I thought about, Juracek's <clears throat> a righty. So if he plays next year as a rookie, I don't know if you want him playing with those two to start the season. Maybe you put him with Wierenski. I don't think you'd put him with Provorov to start the season because you want Provorov to actually get off on really good footing. So that's another thing. But as far as the goaltending, I think they'd still go with Merz Lickens. I don't think they're going to 
look to upgrade it. Now, the Kings, could the Kings go after Gibson? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, their assistant GM, Solomon, you know, the cap guy, yeah. he was there in Anaheim. Um, you know, he's probably going to walk into the office and say, listen, if John Gibson had a real team in front of him, he'd be a top three or four goalie in this league. We know that. Yeah. So they might do that. Yeah, I, I agree with Mike on this, too. I think that the goalie market has really changed. And also there was a story that just came out today um, in uh, Nashville Hockey Now about the yes. fact that um, UC Saros was offered to L.A., but they balked at the price of two first-round picks and other players. Um, so, you know, what does that mean? Uh, well, that, would David Poyle have done that with, without Barry Trotz's um, you know, blessing. I mean, he knew he was taken over, so I got to believe they talked about it. And if they talked about it, you know, you wonder whether or not, uh, you know, they there called UC Soros the best goalie in the league. So, but well, I mean, with, well, I mean, you know, he was nominated for the Vesna last, not last year. Yeah. But what this what this tells you is they think that Askarov is ready. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, or they want you know to get a hit a home run on. I mean, what a way to start a retooling to you know get. You know, a couple first round picks or, um, you know, some top prospects. I mean, because Saros, I mean, you know, imagine what uh, Toronto would give up. Imagine, you know, what a lot of teams might give up uh, to, um, you know, bring him in. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, that certainly the Predators have not confirmed that. Uh, no. uh, but just to answer Terry in the room, He's like, would it be a real change of scenery if Gibson went from Anaheim to L.A.? It's, yeah, because the team is really a good team. It's night and day. It's night and day, Terry. I mean, I mean, I okay. I love the accumulation of young talent that Anaheim has. Draft <clears throat> Fantilli. They have McTavish. They have Zegris. Uh, you know, Drysdale is going to be a really good defenseman, but he's all of them are are, are inexperienced. All of them are learning. It's going to take them time. They they hired a teaching coach in Greg Cronin. This team is still built. It's going to take two or three years, and by the time. They're ready to compete for a playoff spot. John Gibson's 33 years old, so he's got to go now. I mean, I think fine. something that's complicating all this, and I don't, we, I don't know if you guys talked to Kev about it, but we, we didn't the day that we were on where Bettman basically said that the cap's really going to be just a million, give or take. I think now, Kev, because of that, and maybe the RSN thing, because Bettman didn't want to talk about the losses from that. He only talked about the coverage. If there was a loss of coverage. I think teams are, are actually looking ahead now and saying maybe even two years from now, it's not going to go up as much as they think. And they're trying to, you know, look at their cap situation. And if they could trade a player who they feel like they can get a lot for, like you said, and save a bit on the cap, they're going to probably do it. Yeah. And, but one thing about Gibson, um, you know, Lisa Dillman of the Orange County Register uh, wrote a story about it and she made a really valid point. And if you look at the history there and if you know Pat Verbeek, you know why she wrote this. Mm -hmm. She said, uh, John Gibson asking for a trade and a trade getting done are two different things. Yeah. And, you know, those who have, who have followed Pat Verbeek, um, he's his own guy. He's very Iserman-esque. Yeah. Um, this has been discussed before, before John Gibson was a little reluctant to be traded. Um, and, uh, you know, if this isn't the right time for Pat, like he just won't do it. I'm just right. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, it's true. You know, he just that's just who he is. And if, if he gets low ball offered, Kev, he's just not going to do yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, they, he just wouldn't do it. So, so anyway, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I, I do agree 
that this might be the right time to do it because you're going to get, um, you know, pretty good value for Gibson, I think, at this He's time. 30. Yeah, 30 years old. That This seems to me to be time to do it, especially when he seems willing to go. Right. Um, and then, so and that, then you got it all because, you know, he's a 10 team guy. Um, right. So you got to get him to make sure he lines up with the teams. That, yeah. And that he would team. line up with Pittsburgh because he's from there. But the problem is they don't have a lot of maneuverability. Yeah. They, don't, they don't really have the assets to trade. I mean, what, what, what would they want? I mean, you know, Anaheim is going to want first round picks. You know, yeah, they would want first round picks, maybe a player like Brian Russ that they recently signed, something like that. Or or somebody, but Brian Russ makes money, and they're and and, and yeah, they're not yeah. taking Brian Russ. I mean, everybody makes money there. That's the no, problem. No, but, but what I'm saying is they'd probably they would probably want a, a younger player, uh, which Pittsburgh then, really doesn't really doesn't have many. Of. Yeah, they don't have that. Yeah, so um, Kevin Weeks is reporting that Gavrikov and the Kings have agreed uh, on an extension. He doesn't have the details of the money or the term as of yet. So that, you know, that was, that was predictable. And yeah, that's smart on their part. Now the, the Philadelphia thing, and I just looked this up and this might be the way Philadelphia is going to go with this. Uh, Cal Peterson's buyout. He's got two years left at 5 million. He's got a $4 million signing bonus as of July 1. If they buy him out, the cap hit is 5 million, a little over 5 million for year one. After year one, year two is one hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars. Then it's then it's one point one million for years three and four. They get out of most of it by buying them out. So that They're might be the way. Costing them cash though, and we'll see if Comcast. Well, listen, yeah. it's not unlimited funds there. No, and I know that they said that they would eat some cash on some players each year, but they just ate two million a year for Provorov, right? So now you're talking about having them eat. No, 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 they didn't. They didn't eat two million in your LA. Yeah, LA oh, sorry, sorry. So, sorry. so and uh, they're, they're actually probably saving a little money if they buy them out because they're saving the six point whatever that they that they uh, traded off the yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah. But, the but you're asking them to pay a signing bonus in sure. cash, and and they may not want to do yeah. that. Plus, it you know, there is a, a, a psychological disadvantage to spreading it out or the pain over four years, you know, sure. like. It's yeah. a big hit this year, and they probably won't care. But and it's a little hit next year. But then, you know, you're still going to have a million plus. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, a mil- one point one in years three or four. Yeah, I mean that's not a lot though. So that's just a, you know, a lower level salary. So I, I guess it's okay. They're really they're only saving you know two and a half million. It sounds but like. But the thing is, if they do trade Carter Hart, they will need a goalie. Yeah, but. You don't want it to be, you know, right now you don't want it to be Peterson based on what I hear. No, but it'll be Sam Urson who's really untested too, but John Tortorella likes him. That's the issue there. So, so that, that amount is right, 5.875 yeah. AAV for – now, okay, I two. like Gavrikov for Gavrikov. Yeah, but it's two, but it's two years. So two years, but six mil, almost six mil. He's a, you know, he's a really good defenseman. I Again, it's like you get what oh. you – you know, so what would you give them? Four point seven? I I would I, any I wouldn't give them any more than five. No. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not you know well, for two years. Five point eight. Like I'm with Kevin. It doesn't. Yeah, matter. it's and, you know as you know I I just go back and I, there's over time people have said things to me that just kind of registered and I remember Ken Holland say you know you can afford anybody for one year, you right. know like just one year. Now in this case it's two, but you know it's not four. Like once you start getting three and four. You know, then, then like it really matters. But 
you know, for this is like, I, you know, five, eight, four, seven. On, you're not going to pass on that player for 800,000 a year. No, right? that's right. Cause he's, he's really valuable. And the guy that you're going to, you know, you spend that 800,000 on is going to be your, you know, the 21st person on your roster. So, right. um, now, from the from the Philly perspective, Russ, I mean, okay, Peterson, you know, we talked about Walker, who's probably on the bottom pairing. Grands maybe ends up in Lehigh Valley or maybe gets a chance uh, to play with the Flyers, depending on training camp. The interesting thing here is the all of a sudden, right after this trade, it started to come out that they're shopping Carter Hart. And I know that Ack said that they're not shopping Carter Hart, but there's a lot of people out there that say they're listening. So maybe they're not saying, "Hey, do you want Carter Hart?" But maybe they're saying, "Well, we'll you know, we'll, we'll, you know, his name is out there, and let's talk about him." Um, I, I've heard Toronto mentioned. I've heard Buffalo mentioned. I've heard Edmonton, L.A. would make sense. I mean, there's a market for a guy who's under four million bucks, and then an RFA. He's not a UFA after next year, so that's 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 an attractive contract. Yes. Um, also, I'm going to mention something about the Rangers coaching thing at the end. Um, yeah, with Carter Hart, first off, they have to see what happens with Hockey Canada. I was at that press conference, and they said they're they're clearly slowing it down on purpose, Kev, because they're like, well, the report's finished. After we have to get to read to it, and you know, it's going to be sometime early this summer. It's after but, the finals. That's yeah, so they're not going to read it during the finals, right? Right. So, probably these talks for Hart are going to wait until after they find out what's going on with that, unless behind the scenes they already have assurances that there's not going to be a problem. So we'll assume that there's not going to be a problem. And the thing about it is this. He is a young enough guy that he could get through the rebuild and still be good. But we don't know what he's thinking. And and that's really the thought thing, the process here. I got a lot of texts yesterday because once there was the word out there that maybe Hart's going, that's going to upset a lot of fans, even though they might be in favor of a rebuild. Because you still, you still need a, a goalie. Because if your team's a total disaster in net, you're not going to be able to develop anything either. And Urson really is unproven. Um, but the thing is, he is worth a lot. And Edmonton certainly needs a goalie, and he's from the area. And we know that they're probably talking because that's the team that would have most interest in him. And that's where you wonder, you know, what might happen with that. And so I think it's a possibility. But I think if he does go – I don't think it's because the Flyers are just dealing him and saying, Carter, we don't want you anymore. Because Briere has said great things about Hart for the last couple of weeks. I think it would be Hart telling them, right. listen, I really don't want to extend here. If I do, it's just going to be a few years. Um, why don't you explore stuff? And I think it would be because of that. And this is the bigger subject. And Kevin can answer to this. In the old days, Kev, there was a tremendous amount of loyalty with some star players and they would just stay with that organization through thick and thin, good and bad, and all of that. But Carter Hart can see what happened with John Gibson and almost see the same writing on the wall, or at least that possibility. He's gotten his teeth kicked in the last couple of years already uh, while playing really well. And he might be looking at that and saying, you know, I, I just don't want to do that. Yeah. No, that's right. And, you know, at a certain point, don't you owe it to, to John Gibson to move him? He's been a loyal soldier. He has stayed with you through those, these hard times. And, you know, he's never, you know, you don't see him after the end of the season going, you know, I, you know, I can't take this anymore. I'm, you know, but he hasn't, he's been loyal. So, yeah. you know, if he wants out, I think they should accommodate him. And, uh, 
you know, move him. But yeah, and that's the thing. We don't know what Hart wants, but it's possible he could want out. Yes, he could. We do not know. So. Well, I mean, you know, honestly, I've questioned, and I'm jibbing, I'm joking a little bit here. I've questioned John Gibson's sanity for wanting to stay in Anaheim as long as he, as long as he has. Guys are loyal to the teams that draft. Yeah, no, I, right. I, I, I give him a ton of credit. I really do. But now it's like he. But, you know, oftentimes, Mike, it comes down to things other than hockey. It's, sure. you know, how the wife feels about it. I don't, I don't even know if he's married, but. You know, maybe he married a California girl. Maybe he, you know. Yeah, Anaheim is a very nice place to live. Yeah, could be a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, I get that. But, you know, and he, like you said before, he's got a 10-team no trade. And I remember when there were rumors about him going to Toronto a couple of years ago, Toronto was on his no trade list. But that doesn't really matter. A team could talk him out of it. But yeah. I, I, I just, I look at now and, and – uh, they were talking about this on the radio this morning. So right now in UFA, you've got Jari, you've got Freddie Anderson, you've got Auntie Ranta, you've got Hellebuck, who's got one year left, and there's a legitimate talk about him being traded. You've got Gibson. Now, and now you potentially have Carter Hart. I mean, there. I mean, there are a lot of teams, Kev, that that need goaltenders. Toronto, Buffalo, uh, LA. There might be too many goalies yep. for, for that market. Well, there's too many, uh, you know, absolute number one goalies. I mean, there are some teams looking for number twos and stuff, but, right. you know, they're not going to pay for Hellebuck or any right. of those, you know, type things. You know, like the Rebbies are looking for a goalie, but, you know, they're looking for someone, a veteran to play with Huso. You know, they're not looking for someone to come in and replace him. Although, you know, this the, the goalies that are out there could – cause uh general managers to rethink their plan i mean sure, but, so with detroit then then where would that sit with costa because you know if, if they're yeah. sure, well they're they're a little um you know i don't think that uh, uh is any hurry to rush right so uh, like i know fans are saying well one year in grand rapids and he's up here no, no, but let's say it's two in Grand Rapids. That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah, that is. That two in Grand Rapids, and then, you know, he's still 22. So he's a backup for a year. But then yeah. at that point, three years into it, that's when if you get this other goalie, if you got him on a five-year deal with him and Huso or whatever, then you do have a little bit of a loss. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You could rethink right. that. I mean, you could trade Huso in the deal. I mean, yeah. like if you were trying to get Hellebuck, and I mean, I think that's an upgrade. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, Huso has been uh, good, but he hasn't been Hellebuck good. I mean, Hellebuck's—he's uh, a finalist again, right, for the uh, yeah. Vezina, and he's—he's he's already got one. So I give you this too about Gibson. I think there's something to this. Now, Kev could answer to it. I could be wrong, but he used to be thought of as either the one or the two. You know, in the next Olympics, two three years ago, we were all talking about that, yeah. and now he's off that pedestal. He goes to another team that's good and he gets that back, he's right back in that discussion as being one of the top yeah. Olympic goalies. Yeah, he could be for sure. Yeah, no, that's right. And there's too many other guys now. That's the problem. So, right. That are in, in the mix. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, developmentally, Russ, it's like, I mean, Buffalo is sort of looking for the same thing that Detroit is. They don't want to supposedly block Devin Levi. But, again, are you going to risk the chance of making the playoffs uh, – Solely on the back of a 21-year-old kid who's played seven games. I know I mean, they. I wouldn't. But yeah. what they might do is 
let him start the season, and then if he can't do it, get somebody at the deadline. But again, you're in that tricky area they were in last year, and they failed at that. So yeah, it's much easier to find a goalie during the summer uh, than than it is at the deadline. Here's so. the bigger question: With Buffalo, I'm not sure they want to spend big money on a goalie. I've not thought I've thought that for three or four years now because when you were playing around with Anderson and such, sure. you were getting cheaper goaltending. Not to say he's a bad goalie, but you were getting cheaper goaltending. I just don't think they want to. Kevin Adams wants to spend a lot of money on goaltending. Yeah, but yeah. At, that, at that point, Russ, they were rebuilding. They they were still like reconstituting themselves. Now, if they don't make the playoffs, you know, you could. But Carolina never spent big money on goaltending either. No, but they spent. I mean, you know, Anderson was making I think four million, and Ronto was making in the twos. But we're that's talking, it. That's the that's the level they went for. We're talking, we're talking one point eight for Eric Comrie, seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars for Craig Anderson, and a rookie contract for Levi. You're not spending diddly squat. Now, I, I grant you that they want to spend their money on the extensions for Owen Power and for Darlene, but. You you know you're not going to make the playoffs it would, you know, unless Levi is the next version of Carey Price unless he steps into the NHL after two years in college and is just phenomenal. Yeah, we There's don't know that much history of that. When Carey that. Price stepped in, he won a Calder Cup championship. Yeah, plus yeah. the circumstances were different. I mean, there's a considerable amount of pressure on Buffalo to get into the postseason. Oh, yeah. here. So and, and on top of that, Russ. Because I, I looked it up. After Carey Price won the Calder Cup with Hamilton, he wasn't the number one starter for another two years. He split with Halak. Right. And then – I remember went, they played against the Flyers in the playoffs and they went with Halak. Right, and there were a lot of Montreal fans who were saying, trade Carey Price and keep yeah. Halak. So, all right, uh, let's let's look at the Stanley Cup final before we end the show. Um, one thing about the, the Rangers hey, thing, real quick. Sorry. Because somebody asked me what's the holdup. Maybe the holdup isn't necessarily with LaViolette or Hines. I know they said after I was on Sirius that they're not doing anything with Wah, and I do think I forced them into that because I thought they really would interview him. But what about John Stevens? Because I, I know John Stevens. I know what kind of X's and O's guy he is, and they're supposedly looking for that. He is a very smart guy. He has championships, just not as a head coach. And he's on his way to another one. And so you got to figure if he wins another one, why not interview John Stevens? And yeah, maybe they're maybe that's what they're waiting for because yeah. you know somebody on one of those staffs that they might be wanting to talk to. But yeah, they haven't they haven't named. I mean, we know that Babcock is in Columbus. We know that is is the are the Rangers the I mean the only other one that I think is up is sort of in limbo is Toronto with Keith because they haven't officially announced that he's back yet. But it sounds like they're going in that direction. Uh, but I think those are the only two situations that are in limbo right now. So, yeah, I think that's okay. right. Yep. Okay. So, um, Russ, you were at the first two games in Vegas. The second one was not much of a game, but there was a lot of chicanery with the. It was exciting, though. It was exciting with the Kachuk hit on Eichel, which I thought was clean. And even Eichel said it was clean. Well, Eichel didn't say it was fully clean. What He did what all players do. Okay. Eichel, because I was right next to him. Eichel said, look, um, someone asked. What took the day? Did your head take the brunt of it? He said, Yes. He said, Yeah, I did kind of trip a little. And and he finished his check. That's the that's the um the code for finishing the check means yeah, Kachuk was trying to take his head off and he connected. And even though Eichel was falling, yes, and even though Eichel was gonna take some responsibility, which he did, 
because that's what hockey players do because their guy might try and do the same thing next game. Kachuk was clearly not aiming for his chest regardless. It was shoulder to chest, though, Russ. No, but it was shoulder like he was – I think he was – It was not head. It was not head. Well, he did may not have hit it then because I couldn't tell from the press box. But uh, the intent, I believe, was there. But at any rate, um, yes, that that hit created excitement. And we'll see. The the one thing I'll give Vegas credit for, uh, I was talking to Alec Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, about discipline, because he brought up the word discipline. And the one thing that has been noticeable is in the third periods of both of these games, Vegas has not only been the more disciplined team, but they've been able to capture, um, take advantage of every one of Florida's mistakes and put it in their net and, and basically put these games out of reach. And Martinez did talk about the discipline. He basically said, listen, that discipline means on defense, but it also means when they're giving us shots, that we just have to, meaning punches and other things, we just have to take it. And if we take it and we play our game, then we win the game. And that, I believe, is their strategy, and that's where Florida is failing badly. Yeah, Kev, I mean, I think Florida has lost their cool in a lot of instances. I mean, I don't – you know, Kachuk is – he's not running around like an like an idiot, but, you know, he's he's taking some liberties. I didn't think the, the hit on Eichel was dirty. Um, but a guy, a guy like Barbashev, he's he could be the most valuable playoff, a deadline acquisition in the last few years because he took out Gudis, he's scoring points, he's fit in on that line with Marcheseau and Eichel. Um, he's been a difference maker for for Vegas in the series. Yeah, and he's doing it, you know, um, a short a time before he's going to become a UFA. Um, right. He's going to be very valuable. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I I thought it was clean too. The Athletic did a, a good article where they quoted a lot of hockey people. They didn't call uh, Russ, uh, so they didn't get everybody that matters. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, that. And but, he, but most people thought uh, <laughs> um, that it was that it was clean. But I, I I would agree that they've you know I think it feels like it's more calculated than they lost it. Like I, I feel like they're trying to do it to. Um, you know, try to, I guess, to try to rattle Vegas, but it yes. doesn't seem like a very effective strategy. But um, I thought that in the last game, it was the first time where, uh, uh, and I thought Vegas has just been good every game, and not in the final, even in, even in the conference final, they were great every game. And I thought Florida had been great in every game, too, until game two. Like, I thought they just didn't have it. Bobrovsky seemed off. The the defensive play was weak. There was just uh, I didn't I just didn't like their game at all um, in uh, uh, in game two. So now you know I mean in the old days, it, being down two zero wasn't as especially when the first two were one at home. You'd say okay, well now you just take care of business at home. But it's a different league now. So like you know this. This is really problematic, uh, you know, for the the Panthers. Like the, all the pressure is on squarely on them. I mean, you know, over the years, now ninety two point seven percent of the teams that win their first two games at home in the final and go on to win that final. So they all know that. So they've got to come out and play their best hockey. And you know, did they plant a seed of self doubt in Bobrovsky, who has been so good? Uh, uh, you know, so it's. Uh, yeah, I, I think Vegas looks pretty good to just keep going and, and winning all this. Yeah, the one thing pre, you know, I, I have to make picks like we all do. 
And before the um, the series started, I picked Marcia so as the con Smythe. And and because he had been coming up with big goals and he is continuing to score yeah. big goals, he has been super impressive. Like really yep. Johnny on the spot kind of guy. Yeah, either Marcia. Yeah, I, I think that don't think that it feels like the con Smythe is I mean, you know, he could win it, Ico could win it. I don't think it's an easy pick. It's not an easy pick. No, no, no. Eichel could definitely win it because he's getting like two points a game on some games. I mean, it's Vegas is a hard team because there's a lot of guys contributing. You can make make a case for Mark Stone, too. Oh, absolutely. By the way, that play by Mark Stone, he loses his stick. He takes out whoever that was from Florida, pushes him down. The equipment guy gets him his stick. They go the other way. Like, not a lot of players can pull that off besides the other play where, you know, he took the puck out of the air. Like this is what we were talking about before this series began. That they have some players like that that not everybody has. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, I, I think they've they've adapted the best to Florida uh, than any of the teams that have played Florida previously. Yeah. Their defense is bigger than any defense. Even you know, even though Carolina, I think you know their top four is better than than uh, than Vegas. I think one through six, Vegas's defense is you know, big and very solid. And, I mean, Aiden Hill right now through two games has outgoaltended Bob. He really has. I mean. Yeah. And let, let's talk about him for just a minute because I don't think this means he gets a five-year deal next year on the open market. I think everybody kind of knows Aiden Hill and they're like, okay, this is the best goaltending he's ever played in his life. And maybe he's had a stretch like this in a regular season before. But we've, you know, never seen him to this degree. But I don't think any team's given him a five-year deal. I don't know what you guys think, but I don't think so. No. I yeah. Don't. I mean, I, I, I scoff at the suggestions that he's going to get five and a half million a year. No, I do. Sc- I scoff at that too. Yeah. But anything's possible. Somebody gave Philip Grubauer, you know, a lot of money, and right yeah. now, you know, he's not. You know, he he didn't. He, I know he played well in the playoffs, but any it, it there there has been stupid money after stupid money being paid to goaltenders. It just happens. Hard to argue. Okay. Uh, great show, guys. Um, more than likely, we won't be back until Monday. Um, like I said, tomorrow, a lot of things going on um, with that. Uh, nothing bad. Uh, but Friday, Russ uh, and I will be at the the draft combine in Buffalo. So more than likely, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz... It's just hockey.